I want to talk about working out our salvation. And uh, the end of that scripture is work out your salvation with fear and trembling. It's from Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 through 13. And so Holy Spirit, I just ask that you would help us, um, that you'd help me, that you would give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you. Lord, that you give us living understanding into your word. Lord, understanding that we can't have ourselves. So we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So I'm going to, so this is Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 through 13. And I will read it together. Yes. If you, if you got prayer for healing in your body this morning, please let us know. Um, when the Lord heals you, or you, if you have even a measure of healing, like it's better. Um, we just want to celebrate everything that the Lord does. All right, verse, verse 12 here. So then, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. So the reason I even landed on this verse is because of, it was either last Saturday or last Sunday. I felt like the Lord spoke this word to me. I think it may have been last Sunday. And so um, I started reading. And the context of this, this scripture is actually... Uh, Philippians chapter 2 verses 6 through 11 and this is a, a passage that many of us are familiar with and is one of uh, my favorites but I'm, we're going to read starting in actually chapter uh, verse 5 not chapter 5 verse 5 in uh, Philippians 2 it says have this attitude in yourselves which was also in Christ Jesus who although he existed in the form of God did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant, and being made in the likeness of men. Being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. For this reason also, God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow of those who are in heaven and on the earth and under the earth, and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Then you go to 12. So then, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. So you have that passage about Jesus, that how he humbled himself and emptied himself. And then it says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. And so the context of working out your salvation, fear and trembling is having this attitude that, that Christ Jesus had. Okay, so we're going to take a look at that. So how do we work out our salvation? And that, that Greek word, work out, means to perform, means to accomplish. It means that like your salvation looks like something. 
Like it, it has action attached to it, all right? So number one, if we kind of dissect that passage about Jesus, the first thing it says that he did not regard equality with God something to be grasped. So Jesus doesn't have like, he doesn't have any pretense. He doesn't have, he doesn't put on facades. He doesn't put on a mask. He's, so when everything that he speaks, he's speaking the truth. So when he says, like, you know, it's better for you to uh, cut out your eye than, and, and save your soul than to be cast into the, into hell. He's just saying the truth. You know, if he says anything about himself, he's like, you know, uh, the son of man has authority to judge. You know, the father's given him authority to judge. So it's like, Jesus doesn't like brag on himself. He just says the truth. <laughs> so that's what I mean by like, he, he doesn't have pretense. He, he doesn't have, he's not inflating anything. He's not like trying to like, Make, he, there's no like hyperbole or anything like that. He's just like, this is just how it is. He's just speaking the truth. And so Jesus walks in truth because he, he is the truth. And so when it says he does not regard, regard equality with God, something to be grasped, he just, it's, he's not, um, he, he came as that, as a man. He came as that manservant. And he emptied himself. And so we're going to get to number two right here. It says he emptied himself, which means he discarded himself of his kingly privileges. And remember, like this is, this is like a template of how we're supposed to walk. We're supposed to walk like Jesus. We're supposed to have this attitude. All right. So he emptied himself. Secondly, he took, uh, third, he took the form of a bondservant. So he... A bondservant in the Old Testament, when you were a slave in the, uh, in the Torah, in the law, when you had a slave on the seventh year, after, or after seven years, you were supposed to release them. And the slave had a choice. They could, if they wanted to keep serving you, then they would become your bondservant. All right? And that the sign of the bond servant was that they would have their ear pierced with like an owl, all however you pronounce that. And so sometimes you see people with the awls in their their ears now, but that was just the you would pierce your ear, and that was a sign that you belonged to your master and that you had chosen your master. You had cho- you were free, but you chose to serve your master because you love your master. So anytime you read in the New Testament, Paul, a bondservant of Christ Jesus, that means that he's chosen to serve his master out of love. He's chosen to serve Jesus out of love. And so a bondservant um, is, a, is a term of endearment. It's, a, it's a, an, ex, an expression of love. And so here's Jesus. He says he took the form of a bondservant. Jesus was totally free as the devil tempted him to do to call thousands and legions of angels to, to save himself. He had the authority. He, was in, he had the freedom to turn a stone into bread when he was hungry and fasting. 
He had he was perfectly free to do all those things and it would not have affected his godship. We just would not have been saved. And so he he humbled himself, took the form of a bondservant, submitted himself to the Father's will. He said, My food is to do the will of my Father who sent me. And so that's how Jesus, and because he loved the Father, he loves the Father, and that's why he did that. Number four, he humbled himself. Jesus humbled himself by allowing men he created to ridicule him and to slander and abuse him when he very easily by force could have just ended their lives. But instead, it says, even in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 23, it says, he, while being reviled, did not revile in return. While suffering, he uttered no threats, but kept entrusting himself to him who judges righteously. Now, I was, I was talking to somebody, and I was like, you know, when somebody, I know for me, like somebody threatens me, my first instinct is like, I'm going to start fighting back. Like that's, that's what rises up in me. I'm going to start fighting back. And, you know, there's probably a few situations where that might be the right call. You know, you're like, you're defending your family, you're protecting them. Somebody tries to attack your family. But when it's just like, when it's just me and, and say somebody slanders you, attacks you, uh, and you just sit there and take it, the temp- and you don't respond in return, the temptation, what goes through my mind, I don't know if women or anybody, you know, if y'all experience this, but what goes through my mind is you just let somebody beat up, like kind of do that to you, then you're, it's cowardly. All right? That's, that's kind of like the flesh thought. But here's Jesus, perfectly capable of stopping abuse to himself, all right? And he says, here he is, he says, while being reviled, did not revile in return. While suffering, he uttered no threats. He's not saying, boy, (laughs) you just wait till I get my hands on you later. He's saying, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. It says, but he kept entrusting himself to him who judges righteously. So Jesus, and so that's another thing that, so we're going to suffer injustice in this, in this world. And we're not always going to receive justice in our lifetime. But so how do we, what do we do in, in response to that is you, you entrust yourself to the one who judges righteously. You entrust yourself to, to Jesus on that day when he divvies out the rewards and the consequences of, of faith or not having faith that he's the one who judges. And that's why it says, in, you know, like Romans don't repay evil for evil, but leave room for the wrath of God. We don't know, we're not just in and of ourselves. So we leave room for God to be just and to, to divvy that out. Number five, it says, obedient even unto death, even death on a cross. So Jesus, um, you know, he wasn't just obedient. You know, he didn't just like give a word to somebody in the in the supermarket whenever it was uncomfortable for him. He became obedient to the point of death. 
and and a torturous death, a death of that's last a long time, that's drawn out over hours and hours, where you suffocate and where you're maimed and tortured, and it's just the one of the worst ways you can die. And so he chose obedience in the in the face of that. Um, and so the question for you know, whenever I read that. I, I start praying as like, Lord, I want, if it ever comes down to that, Lord, I want to be faithful to the end. Like I want to be able to be obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross or like whatever that might look like in today's time. That God, if I'm threatened to deny your name or suffer X, Y, and Z, let me never deny your name. And even Jesus says, if you deny me before men, I will deny you before my father. And and so those are just strong words, you know, and and it's just the words that Jesus spoke. And so we want to be, we just want to be ready and and have our hearts prepared, knowing that, hey, if it comes to that, I'm, I'm willing to do that. And I've even had conversations with our kids before is just like, you know, listen, it's death is a doorway. And in your lifetime, you might be faced with that, this scenario for whatever reason that somebody threatens you with death. If you, if you do not deny Jesus. And I said, you need to answer that question, right? Like right now. And, um, and so, anyways, we've had that conversation, but it's a, it's a conversation we need to have with ourselves. Working out our heart, working out our salvation with fear and trembling is all, also having honest hearts and sincere repentance. So Psalm 81, verse 15, talks about not sincere repentance. It says that those who hate the Lord pretend obedience to him. And their time of punishment will be forever. So it's not just talking about like people who like your God haters. <laughs> it talks about those who pretend obedience. Just like Isaiah said, is like their their lips say one thing, but their hearts are far from me. And so these and and Isaiah, what Isaiah was talking about in his days, people were going to the temple, they were paying their tithe, offering sacrifices doing all the ritualistic things correctly and then they would go worship Baal or they would uh, do something to their neighbor like steal from their neighbor or you know suffer um, execute injustice on their neighbor in some shape way or form and so you have uh, a people who are they're money hungry they're, they're not loving their neighbor, but they, they're going through all the, the things that the, that the rituals have them to do, all the, the traditions and the, and the, uh, and the uh, t- I keep having the word to knock in my head because it's the Hebrew word for the law. But that's why I'm like, it's not to knock. And I can't even remember what the word law anymore. So anyways, I'll, I'll just say to knock. If I say that, then you know what I'm talking about. All right, Mark chapter seven, verse six. He said to them, rightly did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites, as it is written, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Luke 12, verse 1, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is 
hypocrisy, okay? So that leaven is hypocrisy, all right? God really doesn't like hypocrisy. He'd just rather you be honest with him than anything else. <laughs> like if you guys, you know, you're like, God, I don't know about you. I don't know if I want to serve you. He'd rather you say that than, than feign obedience because he can, he can work with honesty. He can work with honesty. Oswald Chambers says, the remarkable thing about God is that when you fear God, you fear nothing else. Whereas if you do not fear God, you fear everything else. And so working out your salvation with fear and trembling is working, in, is, is working out your faith, walking in your faith with the fear of God. Okay, understanding that he is God and that you are not. The fear of the Lord in 2 Corinthians 5.11 says, Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade men, but we are made manifest to God, and I hope that we are made manifest also in your consciences. Okay? And so... Paul's saying, in view of the fear of the Lord, in view of the, in, in view of the day of the Lord, when he will execute justice and righteousness, we're trying to persuade men so that they're, they're on the right side that day. <laughs> they're on the right side of the day of the Lord. Acts chapter 9, verse 31 says, So the church throughout all Judea and Galilee, Galilee and Samaria enjoyed peace, being built up, and going on in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it continued to increase. And so I had this question pop up in my head. Could the fear of the Lord and the comfort of the Holy Spirit be a key to the church reaching the lost and discipling the nations? So if they're, they're going on in the fear of the Lord and the comfort of the Holy Spirit, I think I was talking with Joseph about this last week is that what is, what are we Americans? I mean, we're really good at comforting ourselves, right? <laughs> and sometimes when things get in the way of that comfort, we, we, we choose our comfort over inconvenience. And so that's like one of our core values is commitment over convenience. It's, it's been day one that that's part of the walk, walking with Jesus that there's going to be times where it's not convenient. It's not convenient to obey the Lord. Like it's going to cost you something. It's going to cost you time. It's going to cost you uh, rearranging a schedule. It's going to cost you money. It's going to cost you energy. And, and there's times where God like will give you a lot in the season because I don't, I don't believe in the saying, uh, God only gives you what you can handle. I was like, no, he gives you what you way more than you can handle because he wants you to depend on him. <laughs> he wants to do only what he can do through you. So God gives you more than you can handle so that you turn to him. And, uh, and so there's times where there's just seasons like that, where it seems like, man, a lot of things are happening all at once. And well, we have to we have to lean into the Lord and just kind of walk out that season or sail out that season. And so uh, you need the comfort of the Holy Spirit 
you need the Holy Spirit to fill those voices where you, you know there's you know I, I told um, the the head basketball coach he can, we he really likes Coke Zero, all right, and keep and keeps a case of Coke Zero, and I bought him a case of Coke Zero. Um, you know, that we keep in the fridge near the coach's office. And I told him the other day, I said, I've probably drank more Coke Zero in the last four months than I have my entire life. But what is the reason is because, you know, after four hours of practice and, you know, you're, you're talking and you're scheming and, you know, you're trying to figure things out on the basketball court, you just want a little comfort. You want something sweet. And there's a Coke Zero calling your name and it doesn't have any calories. So I don't have me a Coke Zero because I'm kind of just tired. But we, and so I'm not, you can drink Coke Zero, you guys, you know, but it's like, but that's, but we do that with other things. And then like, and so I, I even consciously is like, all right, Travis, so this season's over. You got to cut out the Coke Zero. All right. It's got a lot of aspartame in there. So, yeah. But what can happen in those, in those seasons where we, where we comfort ourselves is then it becomes an addiction. And it doesn't have to be drugs. But that comfort becomes the addiction. And really, and so it's saying here, when you're going on in the fear of the Lord, meaning you're obeying the Lord and it's inconvenient. Only the Holy Spirit can comfort you in those seasons where you're actually laying your life down. You need the comfort of the Holy Spirit because there's, we need to be comforted. It's, a, it's like something that we need. We need comfort. How are we going to get it is the question. Comfort's not bad. But where are we getting our comfort from? You know? And it's like, are we, this is something that I've challenged myself more in, in, in no way, shape or form, perfect at this. But I was like, all right, when I, when we have that want to veg out, we, we've all been there. I just need to veg out. And it's not bad to like get your, just let your mind stop thinking for a while. You gotta get some, get some margin. But I heard a guy say, he's like, when you need to relax, just try to relax with God. <laughs> it's like, when you need to veg out, like try to veg out with God. So many of us, we put pressure in our, we add pressure in our relationship with God. Like, all right, I'm talking to God, like something has to happen. I've gotta get revelation, or I've gotta get like in serious intercession. Something has to happen. And, but that's not the case. You can just be like, God, let's take a nap. God, let's lay down, like, together. And just chill. You know, I've heard, I've heard of Bob Jones one time. The Lord told me, he's like, let's, let's, watch, some, let's watch some football this, this afternoon. But you just want to involve God in, in whatever you're doing. And then he may tell you to do something different than you have planned. But the point is, is doing it with God, inviting him into it. Sometimes we're like, all right, I'm going to veg. I'm going to leave God over here. 
I do my veg thing. Like I said, you need, you need that. We need comfort. We need margin. It's just how, how are we acquiring it? Are we involve, involving the Lord in it? And it's not some, it's something that we, it's a muscle that we grow. Right? So involving God in those areas of our life is, is something that we, we grow in. We don't uh, get perfect in it necessarily. So what does it look like to live, to work out your salvation with fear and trembling is you live your life in a way knowing that God, that we will give an account before God that determines the rest of our eternity. All right. So Romans chapter four, verses 10 through 12. For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall give praise to God. So then each one of us will give an account of himself to God. John chapter three, verse 36. Jesus says, he who believes the son has eternal life. But he who does not obey the son will not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. So working out your, your salvation with fear and trembling is just uh, being obedient to the Lord. It's really simple. Obey the Lord. The other day we were at Taqueria del Sol and there was a guy behind me. I felt like I was supposed to pay for his uh, dinner and I, I, I uh, logic my way out of it because I was like, this guy probably has more money than I do, Lord, by the looks of him. But, so I didn't, I didn't buy his dinner and I, I just repented to the Lord. I said, Lord, I repent for you know, not, not obeying you. I should have just trusted you. I have no idea what's going on with God. I have no idea. Even if he has money, I just don't. The Lord knows this guy's heart. Like he knows if it would have blessed him or not. I don't really know anything. And so that's, that's an instance of like, I need to, I need to trust the Lord. I need a little more fear of the Lord in my life in the sense of like, God knows better than me. God, that's really kind of one of the aspects of the fear of the Lord is like, you just, you know, God knows better than me. So, so obedience, simple obedience, just doing what the Lord tells you to do without knowing all the answers. What attracts the Lord's attention? The Lord says, heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. Where then is a house that you can build for me? And where is a place that I may rest? For my hand made all these things just, and thus all these things came into being, declares the Lord. But to this one I will look, to him who is humble and contrite of spirit and who trembles at my word. This is what attracts God. Humility, contriteness of spirit, trembling at his word, the fear of the Lord. A.W. Tozer said, when men no longer fear God, they transgress his laws without hesitation. The fear of consequences is no deterrent when the fear of God is gone. And then Ecclesiastes, Solomon, after he tried everything the world had to offer, came to this conclusion. When all has been heard, fear God and keep his commandments. 
because this applies to every person. For God will bring every act to judgment, everything which is hidden, whether it is good or evil. Fear God, keep his commandments. Another way you could read that is fear God and obey him. Obey the Lord. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Just simple obedience changes history. Simple obedience changes history. It's not, our walk with God is not complicated. We, we trust and obey for there's no other way. I might write a song about that. Um, Anne-Marie, you want to come up? 